0: Fans, are you ready to brave the wild with me, your host, Peldino Joey or Joey Aujan? Brave the Wild is available on all your favorite podcasting apps. Thank you once and always for downloading and listening to this show. It is a great pleasure to be back on board with you once again today, at long last. Spring cleanups are done. I'm finally able to get caught up with the show. Of course, watched every game. Of course, kept up with everything. Of course, I felt the roller coaster of the whole thing—the big wins, the big losses. And yeah, I don't know. Another playoff first round exit. Minnesota Wild lose the series in six games, four to two. Of course, you already know that. It still sucks. It's still frustrating. It's, it just kind of leaves you sitting frustrated, wondering what to do, where to go. Uh, Kevin Fiala, (laughs) Kevin Fiala, what, what is there to say now? i still like to keep him at, in some ways, but unfortunately, I think it's over. I think it's over. Uh, Kevin Fiala has one goal in 13 playoff games. Ryan Hartman didn't do anything. Goudreau, who was on fire, didn't do anything. It's just crazy to think of how amazing a season certain guys can have and then how the playoffs change so dramatically, and they're just not ready for it. They're just not ready for it. I mean, Hartman, 34 goals, didn't score in the entire series. Fiala, 85 points, 84 points, amazing season. And nothing. Basically a couple assists. Johnny, uh, I almost called him Johnny. Freddie Goudreau. Of course, Johnny's doing okay. Calgary's still hanging in there in an epic series with the Edmonton Oilers in the Battle of Alberta. We'll talk about that a little bit. I'm not going to make the show focused on that so much, but maybe just kind of updated predictions, I suppose. But just another annoying, <laughs> just another annoying uh, finish for the Minnesota Wild. Losing in the first round again. And the ultra-frustrating feeling that your head coach was outcoached, that uh, Dean Everson was quite simply outcoached by Craig Berube. Uh Craig Greg, no, it's Craig, I'm just teasing. Craig Berube, Uh It's extremely frustrating, extremely sad, and I don't know, uh, I ranted, I went absolutely berserk on Twitter. Uh, unfortunately, the series is, has ended <laughs> a, a time ago already by the time I'm finally recording this, so... I've certainly cooled down since then, but the frustration certainly still remains. The good news is that Kirill Kaprizov had seven goals in the series. He was absolutely epic, absolutely spectacular, and he certainly looked the hungriest and the most frustrated in the handshake line when the series had ended in an absolutely awful Game Six, and just you know a lifeless Game Six when the Wild finally went to went to, finally went to Cam Talbot about maybe two three games too late there. In that one, Greg uh, Berube made the change, bringing in Bennington. And things started to change pretty quickly for the uh, St. Louis Blues. All of a sudden, they look like a possible cup contender. We'll see how things go with the Colorado Avalanches. That series is knotted up one apiece. But at the end of the day, <laughs> what more is there to say? The special teams let us down once again. Piss-poor power play. Did absolutely pretty much nothing in this series. Pathetic penalty kill. Every time there's any type of man advantage one way or another... It feels like nothing's going to happen positively for Minnesota. You go on the power play, you get your att- you get your weak attempt here and there. It gets stopped, blah, blah, blah. The puck is cleared down the ice, and it's just the same old thing over and over again, and it felt like the same frustration all season, and it felt like, now that I keep repeating the same couple words here, that changes weren't made. But, uh, you know, it's like easily correctable mistakes and this and that. It sounded almost like Christian Ponder. Uh, after these games, about the power play and stuff that, oh, it's, it's a correctable, we need to correct this, we need to do this, we need to do that. And it seemed like absolutely nothing changed ever. So, it left the average Minnesota Wild fan, the experienced Minnesota Wild fan, and whatever, the most casual Minnesota Wild fan, extremely frustrated, and left with, well, why don't you just correct the damn thing then? Obviously, easier said than done, but it just felt like there was no change, there was no focus, uh, in a different direction and of course dean evison made absolutely no changes to any of the lines and then again you finally changed the goalie by game six when it was pretty much you know too little too late as they say in the business mediocre goaltending throughout the series also kind of left you wondering where do we go from here now because well Flurry's a free agent going in. Cam Talbot, obviously, with Kelly Talbot on Twitter, ranting and frustrated and talking about their next adventure, which always sounds like going to the next team, moving to a new city, and blah, blah, blah. So, great. And then you get the Cap Crap pickup coming into play. That just kind of adds to the uh, ultra frustration and fear going into the offseason. Obviously, Game 1 was depressing, and that was a tell. Of how this series could possibly go, how St. Louis utterly dominated the Minnesota Wild. Uh, I was kind of ranting a bit, talking with uh, <laughs> talking with with, with uh, Derek in the uh, private message, and he's like, ah, "It's it's not you know it's not BS. It's just St. Louis is playing really well." And yeah, I I agree with that. St. Louis did play really well, and at the end of the day, they were more ready than Minnesota was in this series. And the greatest part of all of this is the whole feeling of they wanted it more. It's always the other team. It's always the other team that wants it more. That wants it more. It seems like that's been the case with Minnesota sports since, you know, since 92 when the Oakland Athletics wanted it more than the Minnesota Twins. Twins were leading in the division close to my birthday in late July. Summer of 92. Here come the Oakland Athletics for a huge series. Sellout crowds in the Metrodome, which doesn't happen often unless it's a a playoff game and it's, you know, World Series, whatever. Sellout type crowds in the Metrodome and the Oakland Athletics swept the Minnesota Twins. Where the year before, the Oakland Athletics came to the Metrodome and the Twins swept the Athletics. After falling behind in each game, the Twins would come roaring back and won. And then the rest was history as the season continued and the Twins wound up winning the 91 World Series in an insanely close series with the Atlanta Braves. Historic series that we still remember. Those of us old enough are blessed to remember that series. Blessed. Absolutely blessed. And then the next year was the opposite. Twins were leading in every game and the Oakland Athletics. Part of me came roaring back, came roaring back, and they just wanted it more, and they just wanted it more. What year is it? 2022. 1992. That is 30 years ago. 30 years ago, we've been telling, uh, we've been telling our fans... And discussing in <clears throat> newscasts, newspapers, uh, the athletic, electronic newspapers, blah, 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 podcasts, that the other team wanted it more. We've been saying the same old BS for 30 freaking years. So anybody under 30 has been hearing it their entire life. Anybody in their early 30s has pretty much been hearing it their entire life because I don't, I unfortunately do not remember the 1981 North Stars when it happened. But of course, you know, luckily with technology and this and that. Able to kind of catch up and uh, talk about it and understand what took place in that Stanley Cup final, and that's when I had that cool show two years ago in like what was it, June 2020, when there was nothing going on, and then I got to see the uh, Stanley Cup final a bit in 1981 and came to the conclusion of what took place there. But uh, do check that one out, the 81 North Stars, about two years ago now. Very, very fun podcast. Actually did really well. Did really well. And I'm sure fans were starving for some real sports again. So they got to see at least a a 39-year anniversary game or a couple of games on the uh, NHL Network and this and that. That was really cool, to be quite fair. Um, Back where I need to be, though, again, the 4-0 loss to open things up. It just left you with an extremely sour taste in your mouth. And the Wild would again, ultimately, it just gave you that feeling. Like, here we go again. The Wild have never... Those of you that don't, those of you that need to hear this once again, the Minnesota Wild have never won a series where they've at home ice advantage. Are you fucking kidding me? What assholes? As the angry video game nerd might say, that is some, yeah, he'd say the whole word. I don't need to say it. That is some bleep. Um, I try to keep this somewhat family friendly, somewhat. It's ridiculous. How can you not win a home playoff series ever Zero home playoff series. Remember, going back to 3 and I'm going to go back in it again because I can. Because I can, and I know you're rolling your eyes and you're bored, and you're like, shut up and move on. Okay, well, fine, I'll do it anyway. I, I'm sorry. It is what it is, okay? '03, 3 the Minnesota Wilds defeat the Colorado Avalanche at 7 in one of the greatest series of all time, and it was so cool, and you got the great, spectacular overtime goal by Andrew Burnett, and you win your first playoff series in team history, and you win Game 7 on the road against... One of the best teams in the league and against one of the greatest goalies of all time. That was freaking awesome. And then you have a dramatic back and forth series with Vancouver. You go down 3-1 to one, just like Colorado. Come roaring back and win that series in Game 7 on the road. 2-0 and oh in playoff series in the history of the franchise. Looks like things are turning around in Minnesota. We're actually winning playoff series. And now we're in the Western Conference Finals as luck luck has it. Anaheim Ducks, the seventh seed. Minnesota Wild were the sixth seed back when we had eight seeds instead of this playoff thing again, like the old days. The old days kind of came back, but at least you get the rivalries again, even though it gets really old when it's, you keep losing to the same couple teams over and over, like the Blackhawks. But I'll digress. Where do I need to where I need to be? Pardon me. Home ice advantage against the Anaheim Ducks. Here we go, rock and roll. You lose game one. You get shut out, and you get and you take like ninety shots on goal, and you never finish once. Against jean Sebastian Jiguel. Yes, the greatest backup goalie in NHL history, right? Yeah, who happened to be starting and, uh, you know, happened to be in a starting position. and Shut the Wild out three games in a row. Wild finally score a goal in game four, and they pull out the brooms in Anaheim, California. So much for home ice advantage, eh? <laughs> the, and the Ducks lost to New Jersey in a pretty good series, actually. But, uh, yeah, unfortunately, the New Jersey Devils were the best team in the league that year. The Wild's chances of winning that series would have been it would have been tough, but I guess you never know. Um, that's the beginning of the home ice advantage nonsense it has been going on forever. The Wild are on the road versus Colorado. Years later, or the, well, yeah, well, years later we have the home ice advantage versus the Avalanche. We lose that. We don't have home ice advantage versus Anaheim. You lose that. So whatever. Um, of course, you're going to lose series when you don't have home ice advantage at times, but you can win them as well. And the only series the Minnesota Wild have ever won were when we did not have home ice advantage. And Something's got to give about that. Something's got to change. You can't keep losing all your home ice advantage series. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Again, home ice advantage. You beat the, you, you win the division. You actually, we actually have one division championship in our history. Play the Avalanche in the first round, losing six with Andrew Burnett on the other team. Yay. That was kind of funny. <laughs> Years later, again, yes, we beat Colorado uh, in a seven-game series with an overtime goal again. That's what my need. do need then you beat St. Louis the next year in the first round with with uh, them having home ice advantage in only six games. It was actually probably the best playoff series in the history of the Minnesota Wild. We didn't even have to go to Game 7. We won Game 6 at home. we were closers. We're closers. And then ever since, any type of home ice advantage has been a failure. Like home ice versus St. Louis, loss. You know, home ice versus St. Louis again, loss. <laughs> so you get the idea. You get the point. Um, what's really sad and disappointing though is you go up you go up two games to one in this series after beating the crap out of huso six to two and then five to one That six to two win on the road that felt really good you even things up and krill kaprizov has a hat trick and it was so cool um unfortunately jule erickson that got kind of a hat trick taken away but Kuril kaprizov winds up with it with the empty net harbin at least got a couple of assists in the course of this series so good for him um but outside of Kirill Kaprizov, there's one guy that's really, truly shown up in the postseason in both of these years, where Kirill didn't really show up last year. Viola didn't show up last year. Boldy wasn't here at all, and we understand why now more and more, because he wasn't really, even this year, he didn't really look like he was ready for the postseason. He just didn't, um, him being, again, Matt Boldy. Uh, Kirill Kaprizov was ready this time around. It's fantastic. But the other guy that's been... The constant in the postseason, since he's had a chance at the postseason, is Drew Lerkson-Eck. Absolutely wonderful again. Almost had a hat trick. Still wound up at three points in game number two. He wins a couple of faceoffs, but not all of them. Looks like Freddie Gaudreau was the best faceoff guy in this game. And Ryan Hartman with a couple of assists in the game. Of course, again, we actually finally scored some points uh, at the end of the day. Of course, I'm not going to review the whole series in depth because it, you know, it's been a few weeks now already what is it that, you know, at the time I'm recording this segment, the 28th of May, depending on how things go with my schedule this weekend. If I'm able to do this in one quick shot. It's going to be a two-segment show, by the way. So, um, again, you come back and win game three, five to one. The Wild have, uh, the Wild have definitely solved Huso. Everything feels great. We're beating Huso. We're beating really Huso, who had been shutting us out all season, shutting us down, and of course shut us out in game number one. Feels so awesome. Kirill Kaprizov, Again, goal and an assist. Jule at goal and an assist. Ryan Hartman, two more assists. So at least he's been picking those up, Hartman. So to be fair, even though he didn't score, at least he was a part of things a bit. But you still didn't see a whole lot out of Ryan Hartman, generally speaking, and it was frustrating. Um, And of course, health is definitely an issue. But you got to think, every gosh darn team in the NHL has issues going into the postseason with injuries. St. Louis was depleted (laughs) at the blue line. Absolutely depleted. So, and you still couldn't take advantage of game number four. And that was probably the most maddening of it all. And that's the game that ultimately lost this freaking series, is game number four uh, at the end of the day. Again, game number two. I mean, you went five to one. You're feeling great. Five to one. That's just a nice, solid butt kicking. And we and we're, and we did it on the road. We're up uh, two games to one. We've re- re- regained home ice advantage. All you got to do now, if it, if it comes to it, if you can't win the road games, just take care of Game 6 and, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, just take care of Game 5 and 7 and you're good to go. That, that's all you got to do. That's all you got to do. Just take care of home ice. <laughs> Even if you lose Game 4. But the Wild actually probably should have won Game 4. That's the annoying part. Because the Wild were kicking butt in that game at one point and then we got our butts kicked and the series went completely pear-shaped from there. The Wild lose 5-2 to two twice and 5-1 to one in a awful, disgusting Game Number 6 in St. Louis. St. Louis. Just absolutely sick, sick in a bad way. Uh, Fifteen to five is your final score in those three games. Kind of reminds you of the Pittsburgh Penguins, right? Way back in '91. Let's go back down memory lane one more time, right? You go up, you get that two to one lead. Wow, we're, we're really we're we're in the driver's seat. We're actually we have a two to one lead now. We have a real shot at this thing. And then it was like what the way the Penguins kicked the North Stars' butts. Basically, after that, everything went downhill. And that's pretty much what happened from here on, which is really crappy and frustrating. But game number four was extremely maddening. Um, You had opportunities in this game. You thought you had something going, and then it all just kind of went down the crapper. (sighs) Rolka Bricev had his fifth goal already. Matt Boldy was able to score at least we got back into it three to two, but then David Perron has been a wild killer forever. The Wild just couldn't finish when they had opportunities and of course couldn't get the stop in the power play. Ryan O'Reilly, who had been pretty quiet, started to pick things up. And once that starts happening, it is what it is. David Perron has been a wild killer forever and ever and ever and ever. And you just, I don't know, just that was definitely the turning point of the series. And again, of course, Jordan Bennington had been put in the net and he's been fantastic ever since, to be quite fair shutting down Colorado pretty good in the first two games of their series in the second round, which is where the Wild woulda, coulda, should be today, but are not. We are not. We, we Jason are not. <laughs> and I'm going to play a soundbite from Jason or not. I didn't put it in the show notes here, which I should probably right now, um, because it's kind of important. Uh, Jason or not with an absolutely epic <laughs> epic thing to say about our former Minnesota Wild defenseman, Ryan Suter. Uh, absolutely n- nailed it, and absolutely hit on what a lot of us feared was going on behind the scenes, and what a lot has been kind of reported and nudge, nudge, and hinted at forever by uh, by, May, by 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 so, you know all, all the way up to Russo, to other people again that have knowledge of the situation that that I know. Let's just say that uh, have uh, or they they <laughs> they have knowledge of the situation. They've been hearing from people inside the organization and it's uh, pretty amazing so pretty damn amazing uh that it's it's further and further confirmation we'll get back to that in a minute of course because we're gonna get into more of the uh you know requ- uh, requiem as you say post-mortem as they say kind of wrapping this series up this is probably after this game is probably when you should have considered going to mr Cam Talbot. You should have considered going to Talbot after this game, I think. Maybe even earlier. Some people go back as far as even Game 3, possibly going with Cam Talbot. But, you know, because Fleury, again, Fleury's biggest issue is he gives up too many rebounds and puts the Wild in uh, dangerous situations where Talbot's a little bit safer. Or maybe he'll move the puck in the right place. He'll control the puck better. Where is just like, here, get the rebound. Go, go, get it, get it. You know, basically, he'll just kind of cough it up. And that's a dangerous situation. With uh, this St. Louis team that is not afraid to crash the net, not afraid to get dirty when it's time to, and that's what the uh, that's what the big difference is with this Minnesota Wild club and the St. Louis Blues is, is it's it's just a different game. I mean, just the whole gosh darn purpose in the postseason is to flat. I mean, and obviously in any hockey game you can you think about this, but it's it's just more emphasis on it in the postseason. Put the bleeping puck in the net and win the game. Period. There is no OT. There is no overtime win. There is no overtime loss. I mean there there is overtime but I mean it's a different kind of overtime it's just you play forever you play till somebody scores you play 20 minute periods you know it's like a fourth period a fifth period a sixth period you just keep playing until someone scores you know 20 minute periods so it's a completely different game in that sense whereas uh yeah you know you're not afraid to get up in the net you know to get you know you might even get sliced up a bit by someone's stick or something you know gashed up is probably a better term and uh Score, fricking score! Do anything you can to attack the net and put the puck in the net, crash the net. This and that. And the Minnesota Wild just haven't been doing that. They're kind of hanging out further and further and putting their shots on net, just like they did against St. Louis years ago in the Mike Yost series, the the Jake Allen series, the five to one bullcrap, or excuse me, four to one bullcrap loss when you had home ice advantage. It's just, it's unbelievable when you think about that. Uh, it's kind of sad to think it had been that long since we had home ice advantage in a series also. But again, losing it in such disappointing fashion adds to the freaking frustration. And I got to think Game 5 could have been the one where you put Cam Talbot in. That's what I would have strongly considered after losing 5-2 in uh, yeah, at home by the... 5-2 uh, in St. Louis, excuse me. 5-2 in St. Louis, because then, yeah, you lose 5-2 at home. And this was the, probably the most... Game four was disheartening. But game five was got to be the most disappointing overall. Kirill Kaprizov scores twice on the power play in the first period to help the Wild go up 2-1 after Ryan O'Reilly had scored a power play goal pretty damn early in the game, which had everybody scared and had a pit in our throat and all that crap. Kirill Kaprizov has two goals in impressive fashion. To get the Wild up 2-1, to you think, okay, here we go. Everything's going to be all right. And then a guy who'd been a thorn in our side years ago with the Chicago Blackhawks. Every single time we play against Brandon Sod, one way or another, we end up losing. I swear, Brandon Sod, one of those kind of middle line, you know, middle middle sticks type of guys out there who who plays hard and gets the job done and scores clutch goals and this and that. Uh, helped the St. Louis Blues get the game tied up and the next thing you know, Terasenko has a hat trick in the third period, a natural hat trick, which buried the Minnesota Wild in the third period and everything was devastating after that. Fleury should probably not have been a net for this game. Um, You were just hoping for the best here, and then everything just went downhill so quickly. Uh, Vladimir Tercego again, the hat trick, which sent everybody, you know, to a a feeling of this series is bleeping over. We're going to St. Louis. We'll get Cam Talbot a net for that one, but it's too little too late. Everybody knew it. Maybe we'll win game six. Maybe we'll win game seven, but chances are we probably won't because look at the way the momentum of this series is going. Hockey is very much a momentum sport. Of course, you could turn the tide. There's always a possibility. But the lifelessness of this team in that third period and the frustration and the absolute lifelessness of this team in game number six in St. Louis after Nick Letty was able to score late in that first period. And Cam Talbot, the lifelessness of this team right after that was completely telling. um, Where it just left you feeling like did we just take a step back after having the greatest season, greatest regular season in Minnesota Wild history? Kirill Kaprizov has 108 points, 47 goals. Ryan Hartman has 35, 34 goals, pardon me. Um, Kevin Fiala, 85 points, which is the second highest in franchise history. Matt Zuccarilla, way up at the top, 79 points, 55 assists. Again, Kirill Kaprizov had 61 assists. So the most goals and assists, both combined in the history of a Minnesota Wild player with 108 freaking points. Made you feel like a billion dollars, stuff like that. Jewel Eric just under 50 with 49. Too bad he had to miss a couple games, but not too many. Uh, that's a guy that's uh, a keeper with this franchise. Uh, Wilder, absolutely blessed to have him inked to an eight, uh, eight-year contract at about uh, a little over $5 million. Absolutely blessed to have Jewel Eric in this team. I don't think anybody disagrees. Ryan Hartman's contract, well, <laughs> shoot, an absolute bargain of all time. It's just unfortunate when you go from a thirty-four goal season to zero goals in six games in the postseason. So it just leaves you crying. Uh, Matt Zuccarello, back-to-back mediocre postseasons. Kevin Fiola, back-to-back mediocre postseasons. Um, Marcus Foligno had been playing hurt for I don't know how long. Uh, Jared Spurgeon disappeared off the face of the earth. Jonas Brodeen had a bad had a bad series. He was he was not good. I would have to say the entire defensive core looked like crap in this series. Some guys were slightly better than others, but generally speaking, they were terrible. Uh, They were bad across the board. Middleton was pretty bad on big miscommunication with Flurry, and just overall wasn't good. Flurry was mediocre at best. Cam Talbot was below average, but also had been sitting out cold for a long time. Cam Talbot doesn't come back good when he's sitting out cold forever. That's just a fact. You overuse a goalie, they start to struggle. You underuse a goalie, they come back flat. It's stupid. It's absolutely bullshit how the Minnesota Wild stopped using uh, Cam Talbot late in the season, it, it, which is like, okay, we're getting Flurry revved up for the playoffs. I don't know. That wasn't the best thing. It seemed like when the Wild were consistently going back and forth with the goaltenders, it was better. And I don't think it's the end of the world if the Wild come back with Talbot in game three or game five. Uh, probably wouldn't have won the series with the way things were going, but there is always that possibility. That small. Little hope, that small little ray of light of possibility that things may have come out slightly different should Kemp uh, Ta- uh, Talbot have been put in sooner. Uh, he was out playing Flurry the entire time the two were here. The annoying part is Kemp uh, Talbot was pretty lousy before the rumors started. He just gradually kept getting worse and worse during the season. And quite frankly, Kemp Talbot last year, not this year, was much closer to being an all star than he was this year. It's just funny how, oh yeah, he's an all star. Yeah, okay, that's great. Uh, I'm glad he got to go, and Kirill Kaprizov was, was like a like a no-duh, you know, like, of course, oh, oh, of course, you know, it was no longer like, oh, I wonder if Kaprizov's going to make the All-Star team. Now he's pretty much like an all-NHL type of player. Um, it's like no-brainer now that uh, Kirill Kaprizov would make an All-Star team. Talbot getting in was kind of like, hmm, like some of those Dubnik years where he was, yeah, he was okay, you know, this and that, <laughs> and I guess he's going to the All-Star game. That's That's cool and everything, but Uh, I don't know. I I guess. (laughs) I guess if they need like nine goalies. No, I'm kidding. Well, it's it's a different All-Star game than it was in the past, but still, because it's like multi-teams and all that. Still kind of strange. Still odd how it all turned out. But it's frustrating and sad to see certain players disappearing in the postseason, multiple seasons, multiple years, multiple series. Uh, Dumba was playing extremely hurt, obviously. He had the... Broken rib situation, possible punctured lung, pardon me. And he's never been the same since the uh, the old pectoral injury. He has absolutely never been the same. He must have changed the motion, the release on his shot. He's not the same guy. Uh, he just looks like an average defenseman. Uh, his overall defensive abilities are average to below average. He was known for his offensive capabilities and his absolutely dangerous shot. That was called the dumb bomb, which unfortunately he didn't like very much. Apparently he didn't like that name. And I guess I can understand because dumb, you know, dumb bomb. It doesn't sound too good, but it was a good shot. It was a, you know, it was a nice shot. He was a 50 point defenseman and he looked like he was on pace for even more, maybe 60 points. And then that nasty injury took place where basically Matthew Chuck was like ripping the guy's shoulder And obviously that would pull on the muscle with the the angle of the, the way angle his arm was getting pulled kind of backwards. It ripped on that pectoral muscle and he's never been the same since him being Matt Dumba. It's a gosh darn shame. Um, And with the player you're getting right now and with the chances are he kind of is what he is right now, a 25 point guy who's mediocre defensively. He ain't worth $6 million a year. And if you do try, decide to resign him, I'm praying to God. We're talking about something along the likes of like four million a year, something like that. I'm guessing he's they're going to settle closer to five-ish, maybe over five, but six million, no way, Jose. Uh, he, he's not that guy. Uh, six million. It looked like he could have been a bargain if he was a fifty-point guy still. But unfortunately, that's uh, done and gone. At the end of the day, real quick before I forget, and then we'll get further and further into the uh, postmortem conversation here and looking at the off season and what the Wild should do going forward. Let's hear from Jason Arnott. Jason Arnott, right now, former uh, National Predator and teammate of Ryan Suter. The attitude of Suits was night and day to Webbs. All he would do is complain about. He can't. He, how come he's not on the power play? How come he doesn't play? He doesn't play enough. I can't believe this guy's making this much money. Webs was he was night and day. He he wanted to learn and super respectful and played hard and you know. So two different dynamics of mentality of, of players. I heard it was he was a huge distraction in that dressing room and uh, you know knowing Billy Guerin, He's not putting up with that, and he's cleaning house to, to to bring back and and now look at them. They're you know he's built a, a phenomenal team without all that money and distraction. Well, that that's kind of the thing that I've got to figure out. Like what what's the issue? You know why mm-hmm. why have we been falling short? The teams are good, um, the guys play hard, but there's something uh, rooted here that is that's not working and. It's not just trading players and, you know, changing the GM and things like that. It's it's, uh, it's it's something in the in the way that we operate every day. It's something in the culture, and we need to change it. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I think there was something rooted in there, <laughs> in the culture that needed to be changed. I think there was something rooted there, huh? I think Bill Guerin, you could just kind of feel it coming, and like something was up. He found out what it was, and I was praying to God that he would, and yes, he did. That's the one thing, as good as Paul Fenton apparently was at scouting. Isn't that scouting, as they might say, with the Canadian scouts and the Canadian coaches and Canadian players, eh? Uh, Okay, sorry, I'm just in a weird mood. I'm always in a weird mood. Um, Paul Fenton did a good job drafting, bad job, or mediocre job in free agency, really strange job, like in-season moves, strange, strange, to say the least. But where he... um, truly would have not helped this franchise is well guess what country club remember I kept talking about country club when he was here because you had the former owner of the National Predators Craig Leopold his owners the Minnesota Wild close friends with Ryan Souter, former National Predator Paul Fenton former National Predator assistant GM and super scout and all that good stuff and I drafted Ryan Souter. that was the first thing he said after he took him being uh, Paul Fenton took uh, uh, Philip Johansson Hey, people remember when the first round I drafted Ryan Suter, people were questioning it then. You know, and all that love for Ryan Suter, this and that. There is no way, there is no way Ryan Suter would not still be on the Minnesota Wild today if Paul Fenton was was the Wild GM. Thank God in heaven that Craig Leopold acknowledged the mistake he'd made because, holy crap, he realized the damage <laughs> to this franchise going forward and how much worse it would be today. Um, it's nice that the locker room is better. It's nice that there's a better feeling. It's nice that there's better leadership. It's nice that uh, guys aren't selfish, that there's a better attitude everywhere, better point totals, this and this and this and that. The production in the playoffs still sucks, and you pray to God that that can change. There probably are other people in that locker room that still need to go, I think, which really is sad. Guys that were still, still here back in the day and may possibly certain coaches that were still here as well. And it could be some painful moves, some sad moves. Um, Dan Barrero uh, had Bill Guerin on just the other day and boy he defended Dumba like you wouldn't believe. He was absolutely P.O.'d at the thought of people why does everybody want to run Dumba out of town? Why is it always Dumba? And it was a pretty awesome interview. I think most of you have heard it by now. If you're, you know, a pretty diehard Minnesota Wild fan, you keep up with this team and you're you know, you've been listening to this podcast for years and you've been a fan since the, you know, intra uh, you know, inaugural season and all that. Um, but uh, so it sounds like he'd like to keep Dumba but the good news is during the course of that interview he did make it clear that hey sometimes you have to make painful moves so you have to give up something to to give something to get something you can't be married to anybody on the roster so that's the good news uh, Kirill Kaprizov is the guy that uh, you absolutely don't want to trade I'd consider him untouchable though of course if Wayne Gretzky can get traded anybody can get traded basically basically um, <laughs> <laughs> Basketball doesn't seem to happen as often, but it still does. Well, it does now. Back in the old days, it didn't. You know, Jordan, Magic, and Bird all played for their uh, original team their entire career until Michael came back with the Wizards. Kind of weird. But, yeah, that Chicago franchise was a little strange. Yeah, okay. I'm going way off track here. I apologize. But um, some people have to go, bottom line. Some people do have to go. Not because they're bad, not because they're jerks, not because they're this, not because they're that, but maybe they're just not winners. Maybe they're just not that good. Or maybe they're just, they're just you know, they're good in the regular season. They're good regular season players, but playoff time comes and they disappear. And it happens over and over and over. Charlie Coyle disappeared every effing year. Every effing year. Um, people love Charlie Coyle. And they were offended at the thought of trading Charlie Coyle. And it's like, well, <laughs> Do I feel bad that Charlie Coyle's not in the Minnesota Wild right now? No. Could we use his help as like a, a middle six center? Sure. But and do I miss him? No. He didn't do bleep for us. He fit in better with the Boston Bruins, the Boston Bruins. Uh, but now they're not winning in the playoffs either. Oh, well, too bad, so sad. <laughs> too bad, so sad about that. Rider had his big moment. But, was, but other than that, he hasn't done Jack Bleep either, really, in the postseason. for uh, He didn't really do a whole lot after that. Did I need, you don't need a writer? Jason Zucker, the most popular of them all. Everybody loves Jason Zucker, and his wife is the coolest person ever. I don't give a bleep. I don't give a bleep. He wasn't the winner either. He really wasn't. He was inconsistent. Jason Zucker to me was like a Jock Jones of the Twins years ago. This popular left fielder who could get hot. He could hit some homers. He could get. He could be red hot. And then here come the playoffs, and he's 0-15 or 1 for 1 for 16. Woohoo! He got a single, and that's kind of Jason Zucker. <laughs> Um, maybe that's Kevin Fiala. Maybe that's, uh, maybe that's, uh, that pains me like no tomorrow to say that. Maybe that's Dumba. Maybe that's even Brodeen of all people. I'm, I know that's really sacrilegious. Brodeen's like probably the last of that group I would consider moving on from. Like the last from the old guard, so to speak. I would move on Spurgeon before I'd move on Brodeen. Um, but Spurgeon disappeared. He was part of that. Coyle, Niederreiter, Granlin. Coyle, Niederreiter, Granlin. You know, I don't miss any of those guys. I don't miss them. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I don't miss them. But Spurgeon, Brodine, Dumba, they're part of that group. Uh, they're part of that group. Fiala probably priced his way out of Minnesota anyway. And plus the fact that uh, Bill Guerin continued to sign players, continued to make moves. And how he said quite a while ago, going all the way back to last year, that they've kind of already made their decision on what they're going to do with... Kevin Fiala, like they, oh yeah, we we know what we're doing, what we're doing going forward, and then Bill Guerin continued to sign this guy and sign that guy, uh, including some surprises like Ellis Goligoski. But of course, that was very possibly a handshake type of a deal. A lot of us kind of knew that coming in, but then we were hoping, okay, maybe the deal's off because he is lousy. Can we move on? Like he got his five million, and that was the whole point. That was the handshake. Here's the big bucks. Now come back for a cheaper price. So the Minnesota Wild do re-sign him for, well, Minnesota Wild, Bill Guerin, you get the idea, sign him for an extension for $2 million for two more years. Not one more year, two more years. <laughs> right in the heart of that, uh, of that. Yeah, right in the heart of the uh, the heavy cap situation. Uh, Kulikov, he signed for the rest, uh, he signed for next year as well. Can the Wild trade him? I don't know. Woo-hoo. John Merrill, it's not expensive, but it's still a raise. $1.2 million. That's a three-year extension. Okay. And then you move on forward. Jordan Greenway, a $3 million extension per year. Three years, $3 years 3000000 Not that I'm mad that the Wilds signed Greenway. It's just that, hello, hello, Kevin Fiala. Hello, 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 hello. No, it looks like, it, it, it looks like no to me. <laughs> that was funny because they're right on top of each other. Drew like Kevin Fiala. I'm like, wait a minute, he got an extension? No, he didn't. That was Drew connect Um some people got to go. Uh Zucarillo, two more years, two more years and you will be like people might be talking to me right now. Zicarillo, you want to get rid of Zicarello. Are you serious? Are you going to do you really want to stab Kirill Kaprizov in the back? I don't know. Is it really stabbing him in the back or is Kirill Kaprizov the the real reason why Zicarello's numbers went up? Is Zicarillo the real reason why Ryan Hartman's numbers went up? Ryan Hartman's a bargain at 1.7. Yeah, but he should be a, a bottom six guy, I think. Bottom six, not bottom three, bottom six. Um, maybe middle 6 Woohoo! Uh, top line center, no. <laughs> top line center numbers with 34 goals. Absolutely beautiful. But, obviously, when you have talent like he did, uh, Matt Zuccarello's great passing skills and Kirill Kaprizov's great passing skills along with his great goal-scoring ability. Uh, it's, it's crazy. You know, crazy ability, and it's it's something to take advantage of. It'd be nice to see a younger, more talented player in that position, if humanly possible. Maybe Tyson Jost. So far, I haven't seen anything from Tyson Jost. But again, that's another guy. That's two more million right there on the books that wouldn't have been on the books before the move. Maybe you just walk. Maybe just let uh, the young guy walk. Um, Sturm, you just let Sturm walk at the end of the year, or uh, you know, because we actually did offer him an extension, which actually was going to be higher but longer so he would have committed to you know a smaller price so to speak than what he may have gotten going forward i have no idea what's gonna happen with nico storm i don't think he's worth more than two million a year uh he was offered i've heard multiple sources obviously um me and derek were having an off my conversation if it's okay to say this i hope i don't think it, it's not that insider-ish he was saying like it might have been something like 1.5 like really low for like five years which is you know a long commitment for a small amount kind of like uh you know <laughs> well that's just you get the idea like a ryan hartman um where that could get frustrating if you if you outperform that price uh whereas sturm i mean uh, I don't know, Is is uh, the the other rumors I've heard, it was like two and a half, something like that, or two and a quarter. It's still a small amount, but it, Sturm, I, I don't know if he's really worth more than that. See, Bukestad might come back just because he's ultra cheap. Uh, Delorier might come back because he's ultra cheap. Goudreau is pretty damn cheap, too, 1.2. So you consider that, where's entry level. Though he becomes a restricted free agent as well. Interesting, but I can't imagine that's going to be anything too crazy very early in his career, and he didn't do anything to get you all crazy. Brennan DeHame, 750. I mean, well, (laughs) I mean, that's not a whole lot to worry about at this stage. Um, The Merrill extension is kind of annoying. I think it's kind of tradable, but, you know, like 1.2 isn't breaking anybody's bank. Jordy Ben, no chance he comes back unless we're absolutely nuts. Um, You want to believe a spot's going to be opened on this team for Addison, but but is it? that kind of depends on Dumba at this part. I I think it's a hundred percent on Dumba. Otherwise, Kaelin Addison's probably gone in a trade as soon as this off season, which is sad because that was kind of sort of Bill Guerin's guy. I mean, he was part of that organization in Pittsburgh with Bill Guerin. Bill Guerin was definitely involved in all that, particularly with the minor league club. We'll not get into the backstory there. (laughs) We just won't. Um, So it would be kind of strange. Like, you traded for Addison specifically in this whole Zucker deal for, you know, immediate help for Pittsburgh and future help for Minnesota. Uh, Depending on how you think of Bukestad. He was immediate, like, somewhat there. It's like Band-Aid help. Uh, Bukestad, God bless him. Um, But yeah, Kaelin Addison was kind of the prize of that trade. And then you end up never really playing him in the NHL, which would be kind of heartbreaking in a lot of ways. So... Will there ever be an opening? Uh, To me, it depends on Dumba getting traded, possibly. And is Dumba tradable? Even though it's expiring, it's a six-year deal, or $6 million for next year, and that's it. Then he's a UFA, him being Dumba. Um, Is he tradable? Possibly. Maybe, possibly. Uh, Obviously, Garen loves him to death, but I think one way or another, significant names are going to have to be off this roster. And hopefully, younger players that are, that begin to pan out can help replace them, and possibly a young a young free agent of some sort that has potential, or like a trade for a young guy that has serious potential with these with some of these other slightly older guys that are closer to their prime, or slightly past their prime, or right in their prime, moving forward. Like Adumba, he kind of he kind of is what he is, uh, but maybe other uh, another team can uh, believes they can solve what's going on, and you get it back to the 40, 50, even 60-point range, which would be a very Minnesota-type thing if that happened. But, uh, yes, yeah, the other conversation, uh, Kulikov, it's almost like buy his ass out. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, I don't know if we're going to be talking about buyouts right now. But, I mean, that's a guy I, I would not mind if he was gone. Obviously, you have tons and tons of help coming in the grapevine, but most of them are Iowa-bound, not Minnesota-bound, because it's too early. Uh, Ryan Works going to Iowa. Damon Hunt's going to Iowa. I am dancing on the clouds about it. I'm absolutely happy, absolutely thrilled about those guys coming to Iowa. Rossi, hopefully, pray to God, he's NHL ready next season. Please. Uh, first off, it is is uh, Iowa-bound. Beckman will be back in Iowa. Got to think. Blah-bitty, blah blah. I think Marshall Warren, he's still in college, right? Nikita Renko. He was drafted in 19. Dude. He's, like, super young, isn't he? He just turned 20, so he could... Obviously, he could be in the, well, he's not a a junior player anyway. He'd have to leave college, so I think he's staying there. Um, And all these other guys like Benoit and all that stuff, they're stuck in juniors because they're under 20. Carson Lambos is under 20. He turns 20 on Jan 14, so maybe, just maybe, he can join Iowa later in the season if they allow that, depending on the rules there. Uh, Carson Lambos, there is absolutely a future with him, No question. 47 points in 51 games with the Winnipeg Ice and WHL. Yes, it's juniors. Yes, Beckman was like a 100-point type of guy. Supreme talent in the uh, juniors. And he was kind of mediocre in the AHL last year. I'm not sure what happened with Adam Beckman. Not 100% sure. But the hope is we lose Kevin Fiala. Well, Adam, let's see if you can. (laughs) The hope is he might be one of those guys that could emerge and become a really good uh, left winger in the National Hockey League. National Hockey League to help this team going forward. Who's Nadinov? Obviously, I mean, he might end up being a trade ship, but at the same time, he plays a position that is of need, of need, and of need. So is Marco Rossi. The, the, the crappy part about all that, both of them are undersized. Both of them. Who's uh, Nadinov is 5'9, man? Who's Nadinov is nine. Marco Rossi, the good news is he's thick. He's 5'9. He's thick, you know, powerful, this and that for a smaller guy. So he'll be a pain in the butt to deal with one way or another, uh, and he had a fantastic season statistically in the AHL, but seemed to you know seemed like a tiny bit off, particularly later in the year, and of course was not happy that he wasn't in the NHL. And might have been pouting a little bit. That's the conversation. Some people talk about how he wasn't, you know, that there there was no pouting, this and that. He was fantastic, but those are the kind of people working for the organization. That's the last thing they want to talk about is Marco Rossi pouting or whatever so <laughs> that's part of it even though behind the scenes they might be saying exactly that um but it could be a hell of a team in the ahl next season some of these guys get there and they pan out uh kovanov hovanov pardon me hovanov is another so far he's headed down the same path as Dmitry Sokolov, which is extremely disappointing um consistently out of shape doesn't get along with the coaches like you'd like it's freaking frustrating. I'm not sure even if Sokolov didn't get along with the coaches, but just constantly an issue with him being out of shape. Um, he played four games in, in the KHL last year and had one goal so far. Dmitri Sokolov. Oh, this, this past season. Uh, just a just a guy that just doesn't seem to be focused where he needs to be. Swaney uh, Swainy's uh, another one of those dark horses. Wonderful in the AHL, which is a good sign, but he's also an older guy. He played all the way through college. Mason Shaw, you know, some of us think he could be a nice NHL bottom six type of player. Others think not, not, not so much. Bryce Misley, it's like a long shot at best. Uh, and I, God, I love Bryce Misley, but uh, unfortunately it does feel like a long shot. Sam Hentges is just going to Iowa. That's wonderful. So you got a good vibe there. The good news is at least we have pieces coming forward as we head into these tough times, it's going to be like an eclipse, like a big, you know, it, it's like an eclipse. we got to get through this big eclipse here where the moon's going to cover up the sun. That's the, that's the pseudo Parisi situation. Here comes the eclipse. How can we survive this? Can we get through this? <laughs> Unfortunately, some of these guys are probably too young to be in the NHL, but some of them just might end up being something, particularly by next year, especially, uh, or by the year after anyway, is what I'm trying to get to. The, the year after next year, uh, guys like, you know, Lambos and such, Jesper Wallstead will be in Iowa already next year, which is extremely exciting. He signed the uh, entry-level contract. He's coming to North America. Welcome to North America, Jesper Wallstead. So you definitely have a future between the pipes. That's the awesome part, which we couldn't say before. And we have other pieces like Hunter Jones that are also part of things. Uh, conversation also continues that you want to bring back uh, McIntyre. I do. Absolutely. Zane McIntyre. would love to see Zane McIntyre back with the Iowa Wild. What a nice... Nice AHL goalie he truly is. I'm sure he'd like to at least be a backup goalie in the NHL. Unfortunately, only eight games of the Boston Bruins a good five, six years ago already with a goals against average just under four and a save percentage just under 86%. So who knows? Maybe he's good enough to be a backup NHL goalie, but at very least, he's an outstanding AHL goaltender at 2.5, uh, 2.45 goals against average 92 save percentage points. And he was a nice piece for Iowa. He helped bring the Iowa Wild kind of out of the doldrums during the course of the season. was fantastic for North Dakota years ago, back in 13, 14, 15. Goals against average just above 2 during that course of time and save percentage around 93. So, pretty good. Pretty damn good for the now 30-year, well, turning 30-year-old in August, Zane McIntyre. would love to have him back to help nurture uh, Mr. Jasper Wallstadt. So, uh, otherwise, Hunter Jones. I mean, I don't think you're going to go with walstead and Jones in Iowa. That's kind of dangerous. So Zayn McIntyre, I think, if if he's willing to, would love to have him back. If if, if I had any say on it, I would be like, yeah, he'd be he'd be my guy for Iowa to help Jesper Walstead get going. Maybe in a year or two, it could be NHL ready for Jesper Walstad. Possibly a year or two. It's going to you know, it it all depends. It, it really does. Um, I liked how Capo developed in Iowa during the course of a few years. I thought he was. TG just continually got better and better and definitely wishing him the best going forward. I wasn't the happiest guy in the world to see him go. In fact, I wouldn't have minded Capo Kakinen being the backup for Jesper Wallstedt in the future. But apparently that, those days are over. The chances of that happening are completely done. So it's a little sad for me to see that happen at the end of the day. Um, that's uh, kind of a regret for me right now going forward with the uh, Minnesota and Iowa Wild and all that. When it comes to uh what's going on with him philip lindberg not lindberg philip philip johanson i'm like wait a minute that's the wrong philip 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 they're right on top of each other of course again he has not been signed to an entry level contract which would give the minnesota World a compensary second round pick in this draft so that's always a, a piece that can be used for obviously drafting somebody who's pretty pretty good there you know or uh, again possibly trading up or something m- maneuvering around the draft or to acquire uh, uh, a, a talented, hopefully fairly younger guy coming to Minnesota one way or another. Be it a center, a goaltender, who knows, a defenseman, something. You know, any position. I, I think the Wild could use help at every position right now. No question about that. Uh, winger is obviously, we're strongest there, no question about that. Center is what it is. I mean, you need a center like you need a, a, a good pitcher in baseball. You need a good goalie like you need a good pitcher in baseball too. And defenseman, <laughs> defenseman, which is a position that was never of need for so long, has become a position of question at the very least, at the very least, particularly in that postseason. They were so terrible. Uh, they all were, they were all were, were lousy, to be quite fair. Uh, Lambos, Pert, guys like that going forward. Very exciting. Ryan game Damon Hunt. I mean, I'm very excited. I want every one of those guys to make it to the NHL and have a success with the Minnesota Wild. So that's the good news. You have a ton of pieces. You, you know, you have Marshall Warren. Who knows what's going to happen there? Simon Johansson's coming to Iowa. So the other Johansson is coming to the Iowa Wild. We'll see how he turns out. I don't think he's NHL NHL caliber, but we'll see. Um, we'll see. Some of those Euro numbers are what they are. They're strange. He actually did have 32 points for the. Uh, for, I can't even say it, it was temporary. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in, in in Sweden there. Uh, six foot two, though, like the size. Six foot two, about 190. You know, not that big, but not small either. That's the good news. So at least reasonable size. They're kind of medium, medium, bigger size. And he was productive, but unfortunately, that's a smaller league, though. Like a more minor league there compared to some of the others for uh where he had almost no numbers at all for uh, this the swedish hockey like like seven points in 34 games four points in 37 games you know stuff like that so liga liga if i'm saying it correctly sm liga a little smaller but 32 points in 58 games we'll see how simon does he's still 22 years of age still got something and philip Johansson, i guess you never know um he showed signs occasionally for Frovelda, that's the actual Swedish Hockey League. So again, the more major league level, eleven points in forty-seven games, eleven points in forty-six games the year before. So kind of funny how all that turned out, like identical numbers. Before that, uh, Philip Johansson scoring anything was like, whoa, wow, kind of like Nate Benoit so far <laughs> in the U.S. Hockey League. Um, Nate Benoit is obviously a bit of a, a bit of a, a dark horse going forward, but yeah, you never know. Kier, Masters, Pillar. Mm, you know, I, I don't know. I think they're long shots as well, but there's a chance. There's, there's still a chance. Wallstead, Lambos, and Peart, I think all three of those can make the National Hockey League for sure. I absolutely think so. No guarantee, but very strong chance. Pert, a power play type of guy. Lambos, a bit of everything. Just outstanding. And Wallstead, we hope and pray to God, is a number one goalie and a legitimate number one goalie that you can talk about for years and years and years from, uh, to come kabo again. I mean, I'm just kept kind of coming back to him real quickly again. It's just, it's a damn shame. It's nice to see that, yeah, he picked things up late in the year. Obviously, no pressure on him whatsoever. But at least he improved the numbers as he got to be in the net a little more for the San Jose Sharks. Got his goals against average under three and was basically identical numbers. Wrapped up with actually identical numbers, if you can believe it, to what he had with the Minnesota Wild this year. A little under three. To 2.86 in a save percentage. Almost 92, actually. Slightly higher with San Jose Sharks down the stretch. As he kept getting a little bit better. with was a pretty crappy team, to be quite fair. The Sharks were definitely kind of starting over there. But, well, they might have a legitimate goalie going forward. Maybe. Because they have struggled between the pipes for years and years and years and years and, years and a while. Yeah, you get the idea. Um at least there's a somewhat of a bright future again what do the wild do with kevin fiala possibly new jersey possibly ottawa you might be able to get like a 7th pick or something going forward you might be able to get a top 10 pick in the trade otherwise it sounds like the chances of the minnesota wild getting um the like second overall pick from the jersey devils for kevin fiala are pretty slim at best and it's like extremely unlikely going forward. Because, yeah, they would have the number two pick in the draft. Ottawa would have the seventh. Yeah, that's what I thought. That's a p- stronger possibility. Going forward, Ottawa absolutely loves Kevin Fiala. New Jersey loves Kevin Fiala. This and that. I don't think, I don't imagine Fiala winding up in uh, Arizona unless he's thinking the same way that Jack McBain did. So, Seattle, that would be kind of crazy. He's not going to Montreal for the number one pick. Shane Wright, center. Yep possibly go in there. Very, very good possibility. Maybe Detroit. I don't know. I doubt it. But it sounds like those are the top possible teams. New Jersey and Ottawa where Kevin Villa may may wind up. And another one possibly is the Los Angeles Kings. That's been brought up recently. Their pick is 19th. Which, okay. I mean, maybe you get that and then, you know, some other pieces from the LA Kings. Hey, let's let's get Kopitar too, if that's okay. Uh, we'll take Kopitar. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. Ah, no. I doubt it. Minnesota wouldn't pick until 27th, thanks to our wonderful record that got us into the, yeah, yeah, we we, got us a loss in the first round. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? (laughs) Sounds familiar. (laughs) Yeah, 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 well, right now the Minnesota Wild with the 27th pick would be taking Owen Pickering, according to the mock draft here, my NHL draft. Six foot four, left shot defenseman he is from Swift Current. That's an interesting name. Swift Current. So it's a fast-moving current there. Yeah, it's fast-moving current. The Swift Current Broncos of the WHL. twenty No, 33 points in 62 games. Obviously super young. So a lot going on there moving forward with Owen Pickering <laughs> as a possible uh, guy coming in the mock draft. 33 points in his first full season of the WHL also known as the Western Hockey League, which sounds like the direction the Minnesota Wild would go because we've been taking WHL players every single draft and the queue has been ignored big time. But, of course, the queue was shut down a lot more than the WHL was, which is freaking annoying. Bring it back. Bring it back. Let's go. Bring back that Quebec, Bring back the queue. That'd be cool. Bring back the queue. And I don't mean QAnon. <laughs> that one's a little bit, uh, yeah. That one's a little bit out there, a little bit. The, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's a little crazy. Um but again, there's hope. Will it lead to anything? I'm not sure. I'm praying to God that it does. Right now though, I mean, it's all yet to be seen. Kirill Kaprizov, we were all like praying to God, hopefully, oh, hopefully he can, he can at least be a 35 goal-scoring player, 40 goals, that'd be great. And he went way beyond our expectations. Now hopefully him being Kirill Kaprizov can continue that going forward. Um come back with hundred point seasons for the next 10 years and stay with Minnesota forever. That would be absolutely great in a perfect world and hopefully hoist a cup or three. That would be great. Uh, with the help from Carson Lambos, Jesper Wallstead, you know, Kevin, Fe- uh, okay. Matt Boldy, Adam Beckman, uh, uh, whoever does I mean, and Marco Rossi, excuse me. That would be a guy you'd hope. Uh, Oh yeah. <laughs> Hovinov. Hovanov's over there hoisting the cup. He's the, he's the second line center. Yeah, I hope. I'm doubtful. But that would be awesome if that were to take place. It would be so awesome. As for that, I think right now, um, as you might want to look around the uh, NHL before, we're going to get to the fan interaction segment next. But for right now, we're going to look at the playoffs really quick before I sign off for this segment. Again, Colorado swept Nashville four games to zero. It's one to one with San Luis. San Luis, great series right there. Calgary, woo, boy, they survived. Uh, they survived an f- unbelievable goaling by Mr. Osgander out of uh, Lakeville, Minnesota, former home of dear friend and and uh, co-host of the show, Neil Naituck Thiessen. He was an occasional co-host; he wasn't on like every show, but there were some stretches where he was on consistently. Neil, God rest his soul, passed away in very early 2018 february jake ottinger from um lakeville man what an ode to neil natuck leasing he had here even though neil was more of a third line uh, uh winger 67 shots faced over 100 shots overall taken by the color uh excuse me the color, uh calgary flames wound up stopping 64 of them he was unbelievable jake ottinger and uh but Unfortunately for him, it just, you know, it wasn't enough. Uh, Calgary just kept pounding that net, peppering the net until uh, Johnny Goudreau was able to finish it off in the seventh game. And Calgary-Alberta, I kept thinking, you know, Dallas is going to have some kind of a funny bounce and Calgary is going to be out in the first round again. And I was going to be pissed because I like Calgary and I don't like Dallas very much. And Ryan Suter's on Dallas too, so that kind of adds to it. Uh, Definitely an epic game seven. Absolutely awesome game that I couldn't turn off, and I enjoyed it very much. Johnny Gaudreau finally scored after some incredible chances in that game, and the Flames advanced past the Stars, which you know I remember the Stars knocking the Flames out not too long ago as well. I was not happy about it at all. Uh, Edmonton Oilers slipped past the L.A. Kings, a pretty pretty well played seventh game, and nice to see Edmonton back in the mix. And you get to see the Battle of Alberta first time since '91. It's hard to believe these two clubs did not play. For all these years, uh, Edmonton was the defending cup champion that year, uh, and they wound up playing the Minnesota North Stars in the Campbell Conference Final because they uh, it wasn't East and West at that stage; it was the Campbell Conference Final in '91. They got past the Flames in I believe the first round and lost uh, and beat the Kings in the second. Wayne Gretzky knocked Gretzky out. We're trying to go back-to-back, back, but ran into the Minnesota North Stars, the which would have been the seventh seed, actually, if there were seeds. But that was when we were back in the division thing, the division matchups in those days. Um, Ottawa, or excuse me, Vancouver actually had a slightly inferior record to the North Stars that year. So they technically had the worst record in the postseason. And they were out in the first round. No surprise there. I believe to the Kings. Los Angeles Kings knocked them out, if I'm considering things correctly. Yeah, because that would have been the other division. North Stars, of course, did what they did. I'm babbling way too much about history, as much as I love it. Great series so far in the Battle of Alberta. What an awesome series. 9-6 <laughs> to six in the first game, and then an epic game yesterday. It looked like Calgary was going to take advantage and get in the driver's seat of this series, going up 3-1. to one. And Calgary, or excuse me, Edmonton scores four goals in a row, slowly but surely. They just kept kind of chipping away, chipping away, chipping away, and the big stars, the great players of Edmonton took care of business. Connor McDavid with the sixth goal of the playoffs to make it three to two, and then Evan Burchard, Zach Hyman, and ultimately Leon Draisaitl wrapping it up to make it five to three. I don't think Markstrom's been that good in this series. In fact, think about it. I mean, how many goals is Markstrom giving up so far? He's averaging five and a half a game. So Markstrom's not been the great. Has not been as great, and hopefully he steps up for his sake. Edmonton obviously went through hell giving up nine goals in the first game, but Edmonton kept. Chipping away at some huge leads by Calgary in that game. That's why I ended up being 9-6 instead of, you know, 8-1 to one or something. Florida looked like they might lose to Washington. They wind up going up and they wind up winning that series. The Washington basically did what the Wild did. 2-1 to one lead and then Florida came roaring back and took care of business. But now they're trailing the defending cup champs who are going for the three-peat back-to-back cup champs. They're trailing in the Battle of Florida. You had the Battle of Alberta. Now you got the Battle of Florida. Pretty cool. Tampa versus Florida. Tampa has won both games in Florida. Well, in Miami, the Miami area. They're both in Florida. Yeah, they're both in Florida. Come on now. Florida with a historic record this season. Absolutely freaking awesome season with uh, Andrew Brunette as the coach with 58 wins. In the NBA, 58 wins is considered really, really, really good. In the NHL, it's considered crazy. Like, holy crap, dude. That's really high. You know, when you consider overtime losses and such. But, um... Florida just keeps, you know, getting beat. But at least they got onto the first round for the first time since '96, and they went to the Cup final, only to lose to the, I believe that was the Avalanche in the Cup final, if I remember correctly. The, yeah, '96. That's the Avalanche. Joe Sakic and uh, Joe Sakic holding up his first trophy of two. Patrick Wahl held held up his, th- for third. That was his third because he had two with Montreal '86 and '93. That's all off of memory. Yes, I'm that kind of fan. Yep, yep, yep. Carolina and the New York Rangers. What a fun series. And the Carolina Carolina Hurricanes are taking advantage of things a little bit. Well, not really. They're just playing great defense and they're scoring timely goals. And New York is playing great defense and not scoring timely goals. Um, they only have one goal in two games so far. Uh, anti Ranta, who's been kind of an off-and-on backup goalie, starting goalie, backup goalie. And then you have the phenom, Igor shesterkin over there in new york or the phenom goalie to replace uh king king henry basically um wow you know wow i'm impressed i like the new york rangers talent i like their talent i just don't like the whole vibe of the new york rangers you know they get they always get the high pick they always get the big time free agent they always get this they always get that and it's new york and I'm sick of New York. New York this, New York that. Even though it's a classy franchise and it's really cool and all that, but there's an, an annoying negative side to it as well. It's cool to see somebody like Carolina taking care of business the way they are. They're an impressive franchise, and you never know. They just might wind up being the cup champion. I'm I'm sticking with Calgary just because I'm sticking with my guns, but this Calgary team could win the Stanley Cup uh, with the, the talent they have the goal and the goaltending, the hot goalie that's in that. And it's funny how... <laughs> Ian Cole ended up having the clutch goal in the first game for when the uh, Hurricanes ended up forcing OT after trailing one nothing forever. He winds up scoring the clutch goal. That was pretty cool. Apologize, I'm going to backtrack quickly. I oh, Tampa Bay ended up outlasting Toronto in seven games. There were game sevens everywhere. Carolina over Boston. Carolina beat Boston in that one. And the New York Rangers got past Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh was up 3-2 to two in that game. And the Rangers just kind of took over and won that thing. Much to uh, state of Hoppy's chagrin, Scott here locally in Edina. Uh, I feel bad for you, Scott. I I, I, I'm, I I'm sorry. You know, I'm I'm not a Rangers fan. I'm not a huge Penguins fan either. You know, for you know for this reason or that reason. You know, uh, obviously I like the Lemieux Penguins more than I like this group. But he's right though when he talked about on the most, on the recent uh, soda pod. Uh, Scott there was saying how yeah they're by far the more talented team. They're just never bleeping healthy or basically if if healthy. They're the more talented team. I'm throwing in the never bleeping healthy part because it's true. Uh, Malkin is like, you know, he is what he is. He he is just a walking injury, you know, and you feel bad about that. Zucker's never healthy, and we all experienced that. Um Jay Gensel has been a- often on injuries, but when he's but he was healthy and when he is healthy, holy crap, is he good? What an unbelievable draft pick Jay Gensel was. Whew. Too bad he didn't play for the Govers, but uh, I'd sure like to have him on Minnesota. The Minnesota Wild as well. Um, what an awesome player. Jake Hensel become for the Pittsburgh Penguins. But, uh, yep, yeah, the goaltending has not been uh, obviously good there for forever. Uh, Andy Murray, or Matt Murray, part of me, had some great games, but kept getting worse and worse and worse. And it's been kind of an off-and-on meh, meh fest in the net, which is kind of what we experienced uh, this season. Even with flurry in net. It was exciting having him, but he was mediocre. We'll see if he comes back. I'm not excited either way, honest to God, at the goaltending position until Jasper Wallstead is between the net uh, as a legitimate starting goalie going forward. With that, we'll take a quick break and return for a fun, epic fan interaction segment. are here on Brave the Wild, segment number two, fan interaction segment, all the way. Hashtag BTWMN. Hashtag BTWMN. Always put that in your tweets. At Brave the Wild, at Brave the Wild is that Twitter account. And we're going to pick up where we left off, if humanly possible. Tom Han was saying, he was sharing the uh, most recent episode, saying uh, it's just, just about time to start circling those wagons. Norm Green sucks. Yep, <laughs> that was as I was saying. Are we ready for a playoff run? And unfortunately, we were not. Um, and I was saying, home I said it is. Got some likes. Got uh, a response from Derek. Says, no excuses. The Minnesota Wild better take advantage of it. And of course, they did not. Yep. Yep. We never we never got it done. Uh, Brian Herrera says, I picked the Wild to win the Stanley Cup. Let's see what the bracket challenge. Let's see what his looks like for curiosity. And I think I shared mine as well. Oh, come on. I've got to sign in get out of town okay that's enough so he picked the wild away and I don't know why it doesn't show the whole damn thing see this one is okay because yeah mine I actually like captured it I wish you captured it just use your little uh what do they call that uh screenshot Yep, mine I shared mine yep avalanche over the freaking Nashville wild over St. Louis in six I picked him in six it should have been seven but whatever I actually had the Wild being the Avalanche, and there's no number. And then losing to Calgary in the Western Conference Final. Calgary over Dallas in five. Boy, was that wrong. Edmonton over... Yeah, see, a lot of these should have gone seven. I actually had the Rangers over the Penguins in seven. So I apologize, Hoppy, for that. Uh, Edmonton in six over the Los Angeles Kings. Battle of Alberta. I did have that ready to go. I'm glad I did. Calgary will beat uh, Edmonton. Yep. And I'm sticking with that. I had Calgary over Edmonton, and then uh, Calgary to the uh, over us, over us, Minnesota in like five, six, seven, whatever the heck, but beating us and winning the Western Conference. Florida over the Capitals in five, Tampa over the Leafs in seven. That was accurate. Cool, I did something right. Uh, Carolina over the Boston Bruins in six, and New York over. Uh, Pittsburgh Penguins at seven. So I was right about every team in the first round except Minnesota over the freaking Blues. Isn't that crazy? So just my little quote-unquote homer pick, which shouldn't have been a homer pick, but I don't know. The, the the Blues were a good team. So it's not like, you know, it's not like um, it's crazy with, with either team won, with, with either team winning. It's just crazy and frustrating with how badly uh, we didn't win that series, with how badly we lost. Uh, Calgary versus okay, sorry. Florida over Tampa, which is probably gonna be wrong. Carolina over the Rangers is probably gonna be right. I think Carolina goes to the East Final. They're up two games to Zilch, as you guys know. Guys and gals, pardon me. Hopefully hopefully there's some females listening. Um Florida and Carolina in the conference finals, a little southern little southern hospitality. Either way it's gonna be that way, probably. You're gonna get the big New Yorker out of there. Uh and Calgary versus Florida in the finals, and I think there's gonna be some uh yeah, it's going to be Calgary versus Florida with Calgary winning the Stanley Cup in six or seven. I think uh, that's what I believe, though. I think Calgary wins the Stanley Cup. I'm sticking with that, actually. I, I could be wrong, but I'm going to stick with it. It uh, could be Calgary and Tampa again, 2004 rematch. And if that happens, if Tampa's hot enough to get there again, they just might uh, they just might have a 3 We'll see. Maybe they're the next New York Islanders that way we where, you know, people weren't really expecting them to be like champion, 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 and then they just keep doing it. Uh, Mike uh, Moko, Moko Mokov65, <laughs> very similar to my prediction. So I'm guessing he has the Flames winning the cup as well and playing Minnesota in the West Finals. Or maybe it's Minnesota winning the cup. But unfortunately, if we did, we were wrong. So most of my teams are still alive. It's just some of them are doing as well as others. I was... Flipping out. Yep, I'll get back to that in a second. I have a hat trick for Joel Ericksonak, and then that got canceled, and then, you know, got it got canceled just like other things. They ultimately I wound up going to uh, Mr. Drill Caprizoff instead because uh, uh, Marcus Foligno Marcus was offsides. Thank you very much. I was saying Matt Dumba is overrated. I'm still Team Fiala despite the poor playoff performance so far, and I don't think everyone agrees with that one, unfortunately. Ray Proven says they both might go. I think you're actually very accurate on that one. Paul, Goldneck, I'm pronouncing that correctly, Paul. He says, I wouldn't doubt the thought it's his potentially last chance in a wild sweater uh, has been weighing on him all series. Yeah, and him being dumb, by, I'm guessing. Yeah, I wouldn't doubt it either. It is a pretty good chance of that. I was saying one major positive going forward is the amount of defensemen in the grapevine. Now pray to God they will pan out, starting with Lambos. Not to mention Walstad as the goaltender coming forward. Responses: uh, Yep, Mike Michael Bolstead says Lambos is gold good. He's he's big too. Tim Sayer says Walstad is a must. Need to get the game uh, the game changing goalie. I agree one million percent there. I mean I, I'm hoping I'm really really hoping that's a first round pick that you need to you need to connect on. Not a uh, not a not a whiff. I was uh I was really in a mood. Um and I could go on all night. I was like saying wave goodbye to Matt Dumba, he's done. I wish Golagoski and Merrill were too horseshit extension. Yeah, for both extensions. I should have said that. Stupid. Wouldn't miss Kulikov one bit either. We can do better. Hashtag uh, BTWMN. Got some responses. K girl. that'd be Jody Hulvey says I'm not too sold on Fiala too. When you're inconsistent, I agree. Yeah, the whole left fielder, Jock Jones nonsense. There is that. Um, I've kind of, I've kind of cooled on Fiala since uh, that night. where It's like I'm still team Fiala, blah blah blah. And then it's like you analyze it, you sit down, and you hear what people have to say and all that. And it's like you know what? Yeah, you know what? He's probably gone. Um, he's probably gone, like it or not. And again, you look at the indicators of how things were handled. Starting you know, last late last offseason and into today, like into the trade deadline and after that with the extensions and such. Fiola is gone. They've made the decision, like it or not. Um, but hopefully you can get a valuable asset or two in the trade. So that's the hope. I was telling uh, Jody I don't blame you. So many of these guys didn't show up. It's insane. I'm trying to see who's like, ah, I hate that. Damn thing won't respond. Okay, good. So, yep, we each liked each other's comment there. Nick Lane says, fire Bob Woods first. Yeah, I, I am not against the possibility of a, a coach or two being gone. Um, Caho says, Fiala too. Yep, and I understand. He probably is He probably is gone if we like it or not. Yep, I understand. Um, so, apologize if I'm kind of replying late to some of you. I had some other rants and uh, going on, but some of that stuff, if I follow all of that and we get a lot of back and forth conversations, this will go on forever. It'll no, probably bore listeners. We're just having a conversation. Um, so we'll get to the hashtag BTW. I might look into some of that in a second, depending on how many questions and comments come out. But uh, there's the Derek lightning round for sure. I don't know if there's a Tom Hayen lightning round in this one or not, but really appreciate Tom sharing. The last few episodes. Really appreciate your Tom and and how Derek shares them as well. Thank you so much, Derek at Crease and Assist at Crease and Assist. He started blogging about the Minnesota Wild many, many, many years ago, starting with the Sports Daily. That's where he is now, and he was then, and he's been here with other publications, including um, Gunpuck Wild and such, and others. That you know, uh, some some things, some of them have better management than others. We'll leave it at that. Puck Wild is, is okay now. Maybe way back then, though, it sounds like it wasn't so good. Maybe I'm airing dirty laundry and I apologize. I don't need to do that. Um, but at least that's what I hear. So Derek says Minnesota Wild off season has begun. And yeah, Gone Pug Wild I like now. Yeah, obviously I'm happy with what they do and I've been really lazy about writing, but of course I've been doing a million other things. Um, Derek Felsick again says Off season has begun. Do you have a question on the mind? Ask. At Brave the Wild, tag your questions hashtag #BTWmn and ask as many as you please. And yes, yes, ask as many as you please. Um, wow, lots of retweets there. Thank you for that. Really appreciate all of you. And thank you, Derek, so much. At Creason Assist, check out Creason Assist. Just Google that; you'll find him right away. And he's got some awesome stuff to say and talking about the prospects and talking about you know evaluating players in the season and frustrating this and frustrating that, which there's very much of. So highly recommended, of course. Uh keeps up with a lot and probably got some nice articles coming up, I'm sure, especially as we head into the offseason as well. Derek leads it off, leading off at leading off in center field or second base or whichever position you'd like to play. <laughs> Derek, you're the you're the leadoff hitter here. Much as my uh the, the twins are in first place in the weirdest division ever, in the weirdest weirdest first place team I've ever seen. Sorry, I had a little sip of some LaCroix here. It's not a plug, but, I, you know, it's nice. Nice to have. I'm not drinking beer right now doing a show, maybe if it was nighttime, but no. Nah. Uh, Derek says, it certainly appears as though the Minnesota Wild are going to part ways with number 22. Of course, that's Kevin Fiala, 90. Yeah, I, I know you guys know that. Do you think there was a disconnect between him and GM Bill Guerin or were the extensions to Merrill Greenway and Goligosky to blame? There may have been a disconnect uh, a long time ago. I think last year's negotiations were like, I'm sick of this, uh, this SLB. I I think they were uglier than we want to admit. That's what, that's the feeling I got through all of this. It felt, it felt really negative. I I think last year's negotiations did not go too well. And it's like, and like even uh, Michael Russo, I'm trying to remember which podcast it was or if he was on Barrero or PA Uh, Paul Allen, you know, locally or uh, straight from the source or the worst seats in the house, it's one one of those four outlets, but it's Michael Russo regardless said, basically once they had, see this was like the the point of no return, so to speak. Once they went to arbitration, and it was just like here, 5.2 or whatever, uh, one year deal and that was it. Um, That that was it. That was the end. Um, And that if the Parisian suitor Biles did not happen last summer, that Fiala would have been traded last summer for sure because the cap was actually going to be worse. The cap hit was going to already be bad immediately because they were still here and the cap hit was already bad. So the chances of extending Fiala last season without doing the buyouts was game over. That was an opportunity to have him for at least a year and maybe hopefully somehow, some way things work out one way or another, or you can uh, trade him for a haul, so to speak, and hopefully we can do that since odds are he is going to get traded. And there will be bidding battles because, yes, they know we have to trade him or that we're going to trade him, but people are going to bid. So it's luckily not going to be a lowball situation. Like, oh, you got to get rid of him, huh? Here's a fifth-round pick. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah, this is, not Michael, this is not Mike Riley. So it's not Mike Riley. And getting a fifth-round pick from Mike Riley at the time was okay because Riley appeared to be one of those uh, quad-A type of guys. He really did. If you need to know what a quad-A player is, of course, Quick reminder: It's a guy who is right on the border of like the top, the major, like the top minor league team or the major league team, and he's great in the bottom. He's great in the minors and just can't crack in the pros, in the major pro. So that's what that is. Sorry for babbling so long. Next question, and some of these are going to be awfully fun. They're all good. They're all they're all very relevant, but uh, some are have a little added fun to them as well. Derek says the Minnesota Wild have three defensemen with no-move contracts. NMC's. Number 46, that'd be Spurgeon. Brodeen. Gala frickin' Goski. Gala Goski. Can you imagine Gala Goski is no-move Why? Doesn't that drive you nuts? When will this organization learn? They shouldn't give out no-move contracts to players over 30, like it's Halloween. Yeah, like in the little bag, like a little piece of candy. Little piece of candy. Oh yeah, no-move contract. There you go. There you go. Here's your treat, you little here's your treat, you little SOB. No, I'm just kidding, young man. Yeah, I. It wouldn't. It wouldn't be a knife in the heart for me to trade Jared Spurgeon. It really wouldn't. Yeah, it, it really wouldn't. But and obviously replacing him is not easy in terms of. Yes, we have some some uh, wealth in the grapevine, but a lot of them are not ready yet. And they're very green. It's just. Ugh, it just it drives me nuts that you can't look at that. You can't explore the possibility and see what happens. Gallegos, though really a no move contract for frickin' gogowski for what <laughs> for what I don't understand Galagowski no move contract I, I, uh, blah, blah, blah. that makes no bleeping sense it's 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 politically incorrect words enter them in ones that start with an R and end with a D it's not good it's not good um, it really isn't <sighs> when will they learn? Looks like never, my friend. Looks like never. The legendary Derek Felska continues. Yep, I I, (laughs) I hope you like that. Yeah, we had fun with that when he came on. And yeah, I mean, obviously having Derek on is so awesome. Schedules are funky, you know, with me. And once the lawn service kicks in, they get more funky. My phone's making funny noises, but that's how it goes. I didn't turn the damn volume off, sorry. Uh, the Athletics, Michael Russo. Yes, Michael Russo reported about the team's lack of practices, yeah, in the last two months of the season, as well as Dean not making any, and that's right, any adjustments in the playoffs. Is he two hands off? Yes. Yes, I think he's two hands off. Um, the early indicator of Dean Evason being two hands off was the very, very first game he ever coached. Remember when he stepped back and let them? and it was the strangest thing ever. His first ever game as head coach, all the play, uh, he just kind of stepped back like during a timeout, didn't say a word, and he just kind of mm-hmm, let them talk, let them talk it over. It was kind of weird. Remember that? Um, he got more hands on than that, but there need to be more practices. There needed more. There needed, there needed to have been more practices. He got to be to be blunt. Dean Evison got his ass kicked by Greg Baruby. He got his ass kicked by him, and that sucks. Greg Berube is a Stanley Cup-winning head coach uh, of a team that was, you know, in a drought since they started, about a 50-year drought, right? 50 years, 16, well, 50 couple years, 52 years, right? 67, 67, 68, so it's a 62, 52, whatever the heck, a big over 50-year drought for the city of St. Louis at the Stanley Cup. Ironically, both teams got uh, went on miniature playoff runs because it was like a little easier back in those days. The uh, conference finals really early. I think the Blues went to the Cup final really early, right? And then they got beat by, well, they got beat by Boston in one of them, and Montreal in the other, if I remember correctly. Interesting, huh? But um, why am I going off in all these weird tangents? I apologize. Um, but no, uh, bottom line, the lack of adjustments made Dean Evison look really bad. It made him look really bad. Um, you have options. You have ideas. Be be creative. It's not about being cute. It's about being creative. It's about, you know, see, uh, Greg Berube had lines that were dominating and doing a great job. And he still made the changes. And guess what? It still worked. You know, I mean, you don't want to be like Mike Yo who would panic every 10 seconds. It seemed like, oh, we've got to change this. Oh, we've got to change that. See, Mike Yo went too far. Mike Yeo was the other side of the equation and uh, Boudreaux was unfortunately uh, Boudreau was in the middle of some complete bullshit uh, pardon my French where there was a lot of petty bullshit going on like uh, with with uh, obviously Ryan Souter every time you know and, and that's why Ryan Souter was always gossed and I used to blame Mike yo for that I'm sorry Mike yo I here publicly apologize. Uh, for that because and that's why Ryan Suter told him yeah you can't do anything you ain't bleep or whatever you can't do bleep to me and that actually happened supposedly at one point during uh, Mike heel's tenure here and that's why Ryan Suter would lead the NHL a nice time and (laughs) that's why Suter was always gassed in moments that we'd lose he'd give up they'd give give up huge goals and Suter was gassed over I still remember that soundbite very, very well. Suter was gassed over. It was one of the, you know, post-game press conferences, whatever. And there's a reason why Suter was gassed. Because he's a selfish SOB who, you know, should be gone. He And thank you, Lord, he's gone. Um, now that I continue my tangent here, because I could go on forever. This may be a six-hour show if I keep going. But things like this could, you know, things like this set me off. Because it's complete BS. Um... I was leading towards something, and now I'm kind of blanking on what it was. But generally speaking, the whole situation there left Bruce Boudreau, Mike Yo, uh, Torchetti as basically sacrificial lambs. As there, there was a no-win situation for them. There was literally a no-win situation for them, in one way or another. Like, you know, uh, just pure dictatorship, absolute dictatorship that ruined this team for so long. And unfortunately, some of the other young guys weren't exactly anything all that special either. They certainly didn't live up to the hype or anything like that. The coils need a writer's grant. Let's get to go on all day. I better stop babbling and uh, get back where I need to be. Sorry, I almost broke my computer here, waving my hand around. Sorry, sorry. Okay, this is fun. Derek, Sel- Derek Felska says, yep, because of the Derek Felska lightning round, says, <laughs> if the wild were a lawn, because yes, yes, lawn service, spring cleanups. Spring cleanups are when you dethatch the grass and pick up all the excess junk from, you know, left over from the fall and end of the winter and all that. Hopefully you did a good fall cleanup the year before, otherwise it's going to be much harder. Okay, if the Minnesota Wild were a lawn, what kind of lawn would they be? Sandy and scrubby, tall grass or something else? They would be sawed. Because I was thinking about that when I was reading that this morning. I was in Target, actually. Just real quick, stepping with Target and I saw it. this, as I because I was uh, when was, Derek was putting out the, uh, the bad signal, as we call it, and <laughs> I think they're sod. You know what sod is? How it's the you know that it almost feels seems like artificial grass, but it's not. It's like grown and you, it's rolled up and you put it down when you're starting new grass. This and that, uh, but it's like it's already grown. It's not grass seed that's built that's built up you know long term and then it's strong and it lasts forever. Sod is the kind of grass that if you're not constantly watering it, and then the sun comes out, it starts to get warmer. It starts to get warmer. It, it dries up and it dies. Get it? You got it? You got it? Once once it gets warmer because the sun comes out and it's starting to get warmer, you know, like later months, yeah, it dries up and dies, but it looks—it looks absolutely spectacular, though, before that. And if you're watering it like religion, basically, it looks absolutely spectacular. It's perfect. Everything is so perfect. You got Kaprizov, you got Flurry, ooh, you got protein and Spurgeon, you got Felino. you got the—you got the—the—the the, the grief line. This team is is unbelievable. 113 freaking points. 113 points. Oh my God. That's more points than the 89 Calgary Flames stanley cup champion president's trophy team that just steamrolled through the through the nhl and won the stanley cup in 89 you know more points than that club more points than this year's calgary team why well, i'm picking to win the cup yeah that team and then they quickly dried up and died yep as the playoffs came that's when the sun came out for real uh they weren't getting watered non-stop as in well making changes or something yeah they're sad okay next one that was awesome, Derek. Thank you. Nice creative question there. Thank you. That was cool. I, I was like, yes, when I saw that one. <laughs> Derek says, what moment do you think was the turning point in the Minnesota Wild Series against the Blues? Definitely game f- game four. Game four for sure. Game five uh, was a kind of a continuation of it, and game six was the grand finale. You know, like, yeah. You know what I mean? The grand finale, everything is just got bluey basically at the end. Um The course of Game 4, though, yeah, I mean, it's just like you kind of had a sneaky feeling. Yeah, this is going to be a long series. It'll be okay. Uh, Game 5 was the ultimate turning point. I'd have to say Game 5 was when the Wild were doing well. It's 2-1. to You know, Kirill Kaprizov is is scoring, you know, and he's just dominating. Looks like a superstar. And then everything just completely stopped. And then the Blues just kind of took control of the game from there on. That's the ultimate turning point. But 4 was kind of the general turning point. If that makes bleeping sense, sorry. (laughs) If I'm babbling a little too much. Tom Hayen jumps on boards and says, too many questions and none of them comfortable. Don't want to ruin folks' weekend, so I'm going to sit this one out. Oh, come on, Tom. (laughs) I mean, at least you commented, though. Go Minnesota Wild. Hashtag Minnesota MN Wild. Oh, Tom. Well, bring them in. Bring them in next time around. Don't be afraid. Next time around, bring them in. I understand. You wouldn't really ruin anybody's weekend, though. You know, you wouldn't ruin anybody's weekend. Here we go. Derek says, "Which video game disappointed you as much as this later playoff failure?" Who sec- after Final Fantasy VII after they killed Aerith? What do you think of that? I bet the whole planet's like that. Played FF Seven is like you. That's sacrilegious. How the bleep can you say that? Or or actually, like you know, Ah Lunar the Silver Star story complete. Holy crap! If you ever played, if you weren't blessed. If you were blessed enough to play Lunar the Silver Star, Lunar, 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 Lunar the Silver Star for Sega CD, and you pull, and you re, and you enjoyed and saw how unbelievable a game that was, everything from the soundtrack, the storyline, the gameplay, the vibe, everything, everything about that game, which to me is top five, top three all time, Silver Star, Lunar the Silver Star for Sega CD, the only down point is Sega CDs break easily uh you know the, the system breaks easily they were they're freaking expensive they're hard to find this and that the connection when you have to have it you know it's big clunky design as well when you have it connected to the Sega genesis unless you're you know blessed beyond belief to have the cdx which nobody has and when you do whenever you find it on an ebay or something there's always something wrong with it or there's always something missing and oh it it doesn't come with the ac adapter but that's okay you know i'll i'll find one no, you won't. It's a special AC adapter that's completely different than all the other systems, and then it's impossible to find, and it. it doesn't exist anywhere. Many years ago, the Sega still had, Sega had like a, 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 a old systems website. It was like Sega, the real Sega, where you could order it. But guess what? Sold out and never coming back again. Oh, God, help me. So, to the point, they the PlayStation was coming out with a Improved, new and improved, beautiful PlayStation graphics, PlayStation technology, much more voice acting, beautiful version of the Lunar the Silver Star story, complete. And what did they do? They took this incredible soundtrack for a great game, completely changed it, completely changed the entire soundtrack, not a single song was remaining from the, from the previous version, and it was boring as hell un believable They changed the gameplay, where you could see the monsters as you're going to bump into them. It was like a cheap, like, beginner's type of game. Unbelievable. And then they changed the storyline and made it cheesier. Much cheesier. Lunar the Silver Star story complete. You suck. You absolutely suck. You were the Minnesota Wild power play. <laughs> so there you go. You got, you got me going there <laughs> with that one. Jay Bushy. Jay Bushy. Yeah, you can tell it's a little little pinned-up anger for that one. That's been in me. It's been sticking in my craw for about, that was 1999. So, gosh, that's about 20, 23 years now. That's all, just 23 years. Jay Bushy says, if Fiala is traded, and welcome back, Jay. I love hearing from you. What in return do you think Minnesota Wild will want? A high prospect and a pick or a top 10 first-round draft choice in this year's draft? I think either one. Honestly, uh, I think either one. I wouldn't be surprised if it's like a high prospect on a pick. That's what I'm leaning towards. But if you can get a high draft choice from like, say, Ottawa, that'd be pretty cool. Uh, Let's Go Wild responds with, yeah, 97 underscore 90, uh, 33. Responds with high prospect and top 12 pick. How high of a prospect depends on how high the pick is. If two, good prospect. If 12, elite. Yeah, you're hoping for an elite prospect if you're getting the twelve pick. Yeah, I mean, because the thing is, when you think about, oh, but it's, you know, yeah, but you're giving up this high pick, you know, but yeah, but you're getting a legitimate player who had 80 points. And he's got a whole, he's got most of his career still out of him. So where, you know, a 12th pick might end up, or even any prospect might not end up being as good as Kevin Fiala. So, yeah, I mean, great take. I, I, I agree. That's a good take. uh Let's go wild. 97.33. Jay Bushy says, what other players have the possibility to be traded? Uh, Greenway, there's, a, there's always that chance. It's always kind of looming. Greenway, there's always a small chance. Uh, Dumba, of course, yeah, there's always a possibility, but his trade value is not where I'm sure we'd want it. Uh, Tyson Jost, there's a small chance there. As weird as that might sound, there's There's a chance. Fellino, I think, no. Uh, Jill Archenek, no. Zuccarello, probably not. But you never know. Probably not. Goudreau, he's not expensive and they love him and da-da-da, whatever. Um, leading candidate. And you know what? Here's the next one. And this was brought up on the soda pod. And unfortunately, I agree. Are you ready? And I did mention it in the first segment. Kalen Addison. Kalen Addison might get traded. Kalen Addison might get traded. Uh, very possible because well it depends on what you're going to do with Matt Dumba one's got to go i think one of them's got to go and if you're freaking married to Matt Dumba i guess Kalen anderson has gone cuz he's not going to be in the system uh he's not going to you're not going to want him rotting in the AHL forever he's not a third pair defense and he's a he's a he's a he's a, he's a top 4 he's a top 4 he's not a very big guy neither is Matt Dumba Matt Dumba gets hurt too freaking much and he's too expensive i'd personally move for Matt Dumba and let's go let's go Kaylin. let's let's see what you can do let's go you know, I mean, that's what I would say. That's what I would say and I would do. But unfortunately, I got a feeling they're going the opposite direction, which sucks. Uh, Brodeen and uh, Spurgeon have the no-move clauses, blah, 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 and their contracts are very high. Brodeen at $6 million, I think, is worth every penny, except in the bleeping uh, playoffs. I almost dropped an F-bomb there. <laughs> you, you could hear that one coming out. Uh, Dumba. Six million. I'd rather, I'd take Brodine in a heartbeat over Dumba. I think most people would. Um, in a heartbeat over Dumba. It's no offense. It's nothing against Dumba. Uh, you saw the game, right? You saw the games. You saw the season. Seasons. You saw it. So that's where we're going there. Sorry, I'm long-winded. But hey, that's what's good about this, though. I That's why I like fan interaction. It's fun. You get me going, and I I probably get you going, too. That's why you uh, post a ton of questions, which I really adore. Thank you for that. Brian Herrera, welcome back, buddy, says, What do you think hurt the Wild the most in the playoffs? 22, no showing. 24, playing with one lung. Yeah, isn't that scary? And again, that's why I'm like, no offense to Matt Dumba. But even when he's quote-unquote healthy, he's still just kind of, he's just kind of average, you know? He's kind of average, isn't he? He's not the dumb bomb, you know, elite defenseman we thought he was going to be. He's not that guy. He's not that guy, and I don't think he's coming back. Um, 24 playing with one lung. Special teams being horrific, or the grief line being figured out and nullified? I would lean towards the latter choices there. Dumba and Fiala hurt us a lot. Well, Dumba, it's not like Dumba hurt us, that he wasn't, he's just, he, he is what he is. You know, he kind of is what he is. And him not being healthy didn't help. Foligno not being healthy didn't help either. The knee, the possible broken bone in his hand at some point, because uh, that might not have been fully healed and all that. Foligno has no excuse whatsoever, at all. He just didn't get the he just didn't 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 get it done. Uh, special teams being horrific, I think that's I think that's the top. The, the grief line being figured out nullified really sucked too. Can you believe it? But at least one player on that grief line was really good. So. Drew lerkson was really good for the second straight season. Foligno was terrible, but he was also playing hurt, and, I'm, and he might have been playing really hurt. And Greenway is just mediocre, you know, he's he's okay. Greenway was mediocre. Um, he should have been better, I think, because uh, he doesn't have the excuse that the that uh, Foligno and Dumba have. Scott Forner, welcome to the show. This might be the first time. Scott Forner, not Forney A, but Scott Forner, How concerned are you about the possibility that Kaprizov won't be permitted to come back to the U.S. next season? Not too concerned yet. I understand there is a war going on in Europe right now and all that. I don't think that's going to happen, but I, I guess you never know if this could escalate. It depends on cooler heads prevailing, that kind of thing. U.S. Don't get involved in this, please. <laughs> Once we do, yeah. Any uh, then, then it's because if we get seriously involved in it, <laughs> start start praying, everyone. <laughs> That's all I gotta say. <laughs> it's gonna get ugly really fast if that happens. Um, <laughs> yeah, because I mean, like like involved isn't involved like fighting. Yeah, that'd be really bad. Otherwise, I'm not concerned, if unless that kind of thing actually happened. But, uh, yep, thank you, Scott, for that one. Ty Ty Sandstrom, welcome back to the show. Ty says, special teams are atrocious. What should the plan be for next season? New approach to coaching or hire a specialist for practices? A little of both, I think. I think a little of both. Uh, he has a gift saying, you guys got to stop losing. Get the power play together. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Um, basically, though, I think... Uh, I think it's a little bit of both. Uh, They have to approach coaching differently. You have to be willing to make adjustments without panicking and freaking out to the level Mike Yo did. God God bless Mike Yo, but I think he panicked too much where um, uh, Everson was the other extreme. It'd be nice to have some kind of friendly medium. There has to be some kind of change, and I wouldn't be against a possibility of one or more of the assistant coaches being let go. And... (laughs) sacrilegious as this might sound, (coughs) even I'd even go as far as to say, and this is going to irk a lot of people, I'd even say, depending on how things are, even a possibility of Darby Hendrickson. I mean, he's been here forever, and he's been here through a lot of all that other stuff that took place, all of that other stuff. Sometimes, sometimes you just got to have new blood in the, you know, you just got to have new blood. Sometimes you do. And I love Darby Hendrickson. I'm not calling for his head at all. I'm just saying, could that be a possibility? Frankly, if it was up to I mean, I would love to have Darby Hendrickson be a member of this team as long as he is in NHL uh, in the NHL as a coach the rest of the way. But I don't know what I'm hearing right now. That was noisy. Uh, but it's kind of hard to say. Generally speaking, I'm not calling for his head. Don't worry. Um, Back to where I need. Back where we're going. Brian Herrera says, "I would say we trade 7, 18, 22, and twenty-four this offseason. Move thirty-eight down to the. That would be the the grief line. So he'd be replacing uh, Greenway. Yep. To understand that, as the Greenway is one of the trades. Raise Jost. That's number ten up to the top line with ninety-seven and thirty-six. Interesting. Yeah. 97 with Yappaquin, yeah, Zuccarillo, and Kirill Kaprizov. Bring Rossi and Addison up. Resign the flower in Middleton. Move Reddy to DeHame, DeWare, and find a vet winger for Rossi and Boldy. F- that's cheap. Your thoughts? I think that's I think that's pretty good. You know, that's a pretty good parlay there of possibilities. I, I'm not against that I, I, at all. And obviously, Kulikov, I don't know how tradable he is. Dumba, I don't know how tradable he is. Greenway is tradable his contract isn't ridiculous and he's got that size and the skill and but he never freaking scores like once in a million years he scores <clears throat> so he's part of that you know he he kind of has that it it's the younger it's the younger generation it's not the coil uh writer one but it's still part of that group it's kind of like the like remnants of that old of that old guard he, you know even though he's a, a younger version of it all mean, uh, like Act Jewel julrex act part of me our younger versions of all that, but at the same time, if he's not a winning player, make that move. Make the move. That was what was brought up with uh, Judd and Declan on the, the Judd's Hockey Show that I listened to recently. Here, I'm trying not to cough to death. I can help it. Try to keep going here. Yep, for the sake of time, it's been a long end, but I'm enjoying the hell out of it. Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree with any of that. I, I don't, you know. I mean, it's it's a lot to unpack, but at the same time, there's not too much to add. Like you pretty much said, what needs to be said there. Uh, Rossi and Addison. Yep, Rossi. I think will be here next year. I gotta think he's gonna be ready. Not because the spot's being given to him. I think he will earn it. I think he will earn an NHL roster spot next year. I think Addison also should be here. And especially if Dumba's gone, he absolutely will be um, bringing back bringing back um, the flower. And <laughs> I'm, I'm not as I'm not as high on him as other people. You know, being a fan of the Vegas Golden Knights the last several years. He, he's, he's another one of those guys who's like regular season for show, postseason no, <laughs> instead of postseason for Doe. No. You know, he's not as good in the postseason. Now, for certain teams, yeah, sometimes he'll go on a playoff run, but then here comes the end and then down he goes. It happened with Pittsburgh a few times where he wouldn't be as good and this whole talk about he, he, uh, three Stanley Cups. Yeah, his, his name is on the Stanley Cup three times, but he wasn't the starting goalie for all the series. He was the starting goalie for one of them. One. You understand? 2009, he was the stand, he was the starting goalie for the 2009 Pittsburgh Penguins. Bill Guerin was there. Yep, and Fleury was real young and he was real good and blah blah blah. He was the number one overall pick. 16, it was Murray. 17, Murray. So I mean, yeah, I'm sorry, but Fleury lost his job during the course of the 16 Stanley Cup run, and in 17, he just he wasn't. He was the backup. He was the backup, and. Hoppy will tell you that right away, that that's bullshit about well, the three cups. I agree. One million percent. Thank you, Hoppy, for saying that. Actually, Brian Herrera continues, says, what video game would you compare to the postseason with? Compare the postseason with, and what game would uh, would you think describe the entire wild season with the postseason letdown? Mass Effect 3 comes to mind for the latter, and E.T. for the former <laughs> E.T. Huh, where all the buildup and the excitement, and then it's super disappointing, right? E.T. for Atari, all the huge buildup in 1982 for that game, and there was a huge bust. I'd say how it's like uh, the postseason letdown, that's definitely Final Fantasy VII. Um, Final Fantasy Seven. what an amazing, amazing game. Final Fantasy VII was up until when Aerith died, and then after that, it was just kind of eh, you know, and then the, the ending was not that great. Some of you might disagree. I thought it was kind of lame. I thought the ending was lame on FF7. So I'm sticking with Penal Fantasy 7 generally speaking. Um, that is like the game of like the entire season with the postseason letdown. That's FF7. The postseason in general, that would be... Yeah, how E.T. was the... Yeah, that was E.T. and FF7 for that one. So Mass Effect's the first one. No, Mass Effect's the latter and E.T. for the former. Okay. Sorry. Postseason would be probably like a, probably like a, yeah where again you have high expectations and it's just like right away for the most part um, Final Fantasy 8 <laughs> like okay this one looks promising and it's, it's just, ugh, ugh. Final Fantasy 8 and I know some people out there think it's a great game I don't <laughs> I don't. Uh, next, Brian Herrera says, and to finish off on a positive note, which young gun are you most excited to see next season? You no, know, Rossi's way up there. Ken is way up there. Uh, man, some of them are kind of further down, though. That's the problem. A lot of them are, are further down the list. You know, with like the AHL or still in juniors. Like Lambos is still in juniors. That's the part that sucks. Um, gosh, Damon Hunt. Guys like Ryan O'Rourke, Damon Hunt going to the AHL I mean, it's definitely Marco Rossi otherwise, or maybe even Adam Beckman. It's between Rossi and Beckman coming into next season. Uh, I'm sorry that it's two, and uh, it's kind of a lame answer. I apologize. Kyle Marlowe, welcome aboard, says, who or what will be the surprise move BG makes this, Bill Guerin makes this off offseason? Ah, uh, man. If humanly possible... Yeah, maybe we'll actually trade Dumba. But of course, that's not a huge surprise. Oh, man. I'm trying to think. Yeah, because like something that might surprise people. Oh, man. Maybe it's Zuccarello. Maybe Zuccarello says, okay, you're getting too comfortable here. But then again, why would he punish Kaprizov? He's the one who did a great job. Shoot. I don't know. Damn it. <laughs> this is a tough one. Cause, yeah, that's punishing Caprizov when he didn't do anything. <laughs> Caprizov didn't do anything wrong, but maybe it is a surprise move because the Carrillo didn't perform in the playoffs back to back years, in a sense. Um, probably the one that would surprise most people just because would be Greenway or Dumba. Yeah, people would be like, Whoa, you, you actually traded him! Wow, and I, I think it could be Greenway, could be the surprise. See, Ryan Hartman is a bargain, I that'd be it'd be hard to trade him in terms of, like, why would you give up somebody with that kind of a contract, even though he sucked in the playoffs? uh, Still, 1.7. I mean, it's insanely cheap when you consider the um, production he gave you during the course of the regular season. You just wish he'd give you more in the postseason. So we'll go with Greenway for the surprise. Let's Go Wild says yes to Kulikov for literally anything. I wonder who he's responding to. Okay, yeah, he's responding to that uh, uh, Brian Herrera with all those trades. Yep, this actually generated a massive, um, massive conversation. But I'll, I'll mention some. So this was the conversation that got going. So yep, good job, Brian Herrera, <laughs> and let's go wild, both of you. Yes, to cool cup for literally anything. Why would you intentionally break up the grief line? 18 played well for us and has done and has way more value to the Wild than his his own on the market what kind of return would you get? Love 38, but I don't think he fits with Ac- Anthony No at all. Understand that. Yep. Understand that. Yeah, that's a, actually a pretty good take there. Uh, Talisha Townsell. Welcome aboard. I wonder if she's following. Well, we'll see if she does now. I'll give her a follow. Yep. Nice to meet you, just in case you're listening. <sighs> grief stays are big. I mean, grief stays are D sucks. Bill Guerin better fix our D if we're keeping both Talbot and Flower. Middleton, uh, what does this mean right here? Clipboard Middleton? I wonder what he means there. Hmm. Maybe he means Middleton, keeping Middleton. Um, Middleton, Kulikov for, okay, yeah, Middleton and Kulikov for Gudas. Okay. Use number 36 and 38 and 89 to clear cap and get draft capital and prospects. Nearly $9 million cleared from the New York Rangers. Trade number 22 for Holtz and Yeager, sign Mekayev to play with number 97. That's interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. So Holtz, of course, that would be the uh, New Jersey Devils. Uh, interesting. Interesting idea there. And then, Let's Go Wild says, wait, you're saying trade them all to the Rangers. Why is that? Um, yeah, so the money yeah Talisha responded with if McBain, McBain would have signed, we could have moved we could have moved someone for grief. I don't think Garen um, Garen moves big rig unless it's for draft capital or an equivalent prospect. We don't have other prospects who fit the grief line. Don't break up the grief, our best line in the playoffs. So yeah, I understand. Nice to meet, nice to meet. you hope you follow back. Mike Moco V65, this wraps up the section. And, of course, Derek actually shared the Let's Go Wild response. Thank you for that, Derek. Mike says, after listening to GM Bill Guerin's press conference, any assumptions or we should do this is probably is pretty much blowing smoke. Any assumptions? It's mostly like, yeah, yeah. he, he pretty much said without saying that Fiel is probably gone. Like there's nothing we can do pretty much to keep him, even if we want to, like we'd, we'd love to keep him, but we'd love to keep him, but, but this, you know, so that's my assumption, so to speak, that uh, <laughs> Fiel is gone, that it's pretty much a done deal there. So it's unfortunate, but it's just the way it is. It's just the way it is. So with that said, I believe we're going to wrap things up here. Want to thank all of you so, so much for your responses. It's been an, aw- it was an awesome season. It was a crappy ending. It was really frustrating. Looks like there's a notification. Let's see if I got a response to something. Okay, that was just a like. Okay, that's fine. Thank you for that. (laughs) Jay Bushy liked uh, Mike's uh, tweet there, apparently. So, cool. Um, But, no, generally speaking, really appreciate your listenership during the course of the season this and that, sorry for the uh, late release of this episode, sorry for the length of it, but then again, maybe you enjoy it, because there's a lot to say, and of course there's going to be a lot to say on a show like this, and in a season like this, and a finish like this, and an off-season that's coming up, there's a lot to talk about going forward with the salaries and such, and it's not going to be particularly easy, it's definitely not, uh, Delorier, is he coming back, I don't know, blah, 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 we could go on forever, Bukestad, I don't know, you know. I think leaving space open for the counter-diversion and such is a good idea. Brandon Ham stayed here all season. So, Goudreau's probably staying. Hartman's probably staying because of the money. Um, so, I don't know. I don't know if there's really room for a whole lot of guys. Just. I'm sure they want to see more See more of what's going on there. I could go on all day. Uh, it sucks seeing Fiala go, but it's going to happen if we like it or not. It's going to happen. And if Fiala stays somehow, that's going to be one heck of a special episode coming up. Even when that does happen, that'll be a huge highlight for this uh, for this show in, in the uh, off season here coming up. Possibly draft night will be the trade with Kevin Fiella So we hear from Michael Russo, the godfather of Minnesota Wild media conversations and such from the Athletic, of course, from the Athletic. But again, thank you so much, Derek Felsk. I really appreciate you all You Obviously, will keep uh, obviously keep in touch during the course of the summer and keep releasing. Shows here and there. State of the Wild may or may not be the next episode. That's usually coming up in June. State of the Wild, that one might be a little later because uh, the draft is in early July. At least it's not in late July this time. (laughs) That was crazy. So State of the Wild will probably be released in June at some point, maybe late June. There'll probably be, I'm guessing there's going to be a show sometime in between, but if not, I mean, it it is what it is, I apologize, hopefully I'll get at least one show in between now and then, because that's a good, well, it's about a month away, so it's not that far, so at least, at most, let's say at most, four to five weeks, so like a month or slightly more uh, for the next episode of Brave the Wild. Just letting you know. Major shoutouts, of course, like Derek Valska. Of course, MNW Prospects or Young Guns. Really appreciate that one. Young Guns. Really appreciate you guys. Uh, Paula Burnett from Chechia. Uh, Yep, Chechia. (sighs) Justin Baki, locally. Mankato area. Brandon Quast, Western Wisconsin. I believe he, no, yeah, yeah. He might be actually, yeah, yeah. He's actually in regular Wisconsin. Uh, he is a Packer fan, unfortunately, but a big Wild fan, and it's okay. I don't, I don't mind. I don't, I don't mind. Hey, I mean, it's a, I don't hate Packer fans. We we get along. I just don't like the Packers themselves. That's all. Uh, I really appreciate you guys. What an awesome page. Yeah, young guns. We cover all the prospects of the Minnesota Wild and Wild news and such. Pavel Bennett and Justin Bucky Quast, Brandon Quast, do a lot of the work and. I'm kind of in the background right now because until because I cover the uh, I'm supposed to cover the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League and the British Columbia Hockey League, but the Wild don't have prospects in those systems right now. But maybe maybe after this draft, we'll have a player or two to cover. I enjoyed the hell out of doing that, and I'll be back on that. Otherwise, I'll keep plugging the show, plugging the page, and retweeting and liking and sharing and all that on Facebook and all that on Twitter, this and that. Um, so really appreciate you guys. Huge shout out to Minnesota Wild Global Scott Cavendish. Uh, Chad Walski, Michael Thick, Chance Kostick, David Kostick, David Abraham, really appreciate you, all of you. Kathy Main, I uh, could go on forever. What an awesome webpage, really appreciate that. Uh, Patrick Turner, also Minnesota Wild Nation, major shout out there as well. Uh, I think that's it. I think that's about it, other than I'll just have the links to the podcast for the ads this time around. Because. <laughs> uh, just nothing's been clicking with those, and it's frustrating. And, of course, crypto's crypto just not doing well, and really nothing's doing well with all the BS going on out there. Just nothing's doing well. So I'm just going to leave the links there. If you want to click on them, go ahead. Would help the show very much if you would click on them and kind of go from there. I'll just leave it at that. With that said, have a wonderful next couple of weeks now that it's actually real spring. Enjoy the real spring. <laughs> Hopefully it lasts longer than five seconds, and it is a 90 in humid. Uh, unfortunately today it's very chilly on a saturday afternoon saturday morning and saturday afternoon during the course of this show's uh, recording and release and all that uh saturday evening ah, with that said wishing all of you again a wonderful spring talk to you very soon and until then take care and god bless